Yes, hello. I am James Rowlands, and today it's the WNR three nine one. It's AW Preload, but I am not alone. I have a pleasure to be joined by Jaxie. How are you doing? Hello, hello, everyone. How are you doing? I am doing very well, thank you. All the better to have you on the show. And like we said, AEW is kind of like our fun time before we have to deal with the WWE stuff. Yeah, WWE, we have to get serious with, you know? There's a serious <laughs> Whereas on AEW, yes, it's definitely a lot more fun and enjoyable to talk about right now. At this moment in... Yeah, without that, like I said, with here as well this weekend, a live pre-shows, Jaxie and Monty, and hopefully Ultimate One as well will join us. We've got a lot of Dynamite and Rampage to catch up on. We've got four episodes of each. But before we start, just say I'm dealing with a little bit f- at this moment in time. So if I'm maybe a little bit off or a little bit, you know, you hear something in the background, people listening, do not worry. I have tested myself. I'm fine. Just uh, it's what's going around in time. So that's my excuse if I mess up. So let's get straight to it. October 6th, the two-year anniversary show. Now, first and foremost, Jaxie, can you believe AEW has been around two years? Does it feel longer or shorter, in your opinion? You know what? I must admit, it, it kind of feels like it's been two years for me. And the only reason why I say that is because, uh, fun fact, AEW aired its first ever uh, show on my birthday exactly two years ago. So I went into my birthday being able to watch AEW for the first time. And um, I've stuck with it ever since. So, you know, every year for my birthday, it feels like another birthday treat. <laughs> well, say, do you know what? That should be saying on the WNR that we should have a look at because my sister's birthday was the very first episode of Raw. So if we can try to get like a connection <laughs> with all these dates of like the first, who who was around in SmackDown, something to do with Monty probably. Do you know what I mean? We can kind of work that out. Um, but like I say, two years it's been here and we see the show open with a huge match as it was Brian Danielson, Christian, Jurassic Express, which is Jungle Boy and Luke Soros versus the Elite of Adam Cole, Omega and Matt Nick Jackson. Uh, this was a fantastic way to start the show. Everyone came in, started trading big moves. It looked sort of like running over everybody. Hills tried to hit him with a big power bomb, but it ended poorly. The Super Elite hit Danielson with trippers for taking out Jungle Boy with a four-man BTE trigger for the win. Uh, what were your thoughts on What a great match. I mean, again, this is something we bring up every time we discuss AEW, but they really know how to start off a show, don't they? Well, I mean, um, having... Yeah having the young bucks um even start it as well this match was insane and it was great um i loved every minute of it uh, so this this think about it i mean the face uh jungle boy was the envy the dives to the outside which it was just kind of as mental it would be um and i thought it was quite nice they kind of protected he dropped the impact title and involved it in that but like i said you were right when you say impact uh, impact sorry with dynamite straight out of the gate with a kind of strong showing to get people on board you know for sure. And I think, you know, um, every time you hear of the Young Bucks being in a match, um, I don't think anyone sort of thinks, oh, OK, let's see if they can top the last one or anything like that. But it seems like they outdo themselves every time, even when they're heels. It's um, it's just great to see. And as you said, both Jungle Boy and Christian, they just both came across looking great, looking absolutely amazing. Jungle Boy has some amazing um hits out from outside of the ring and and yet you know he's continuously coming across looking stronger and stronger each week 
Yeah, without a doubt, they're doing it right at the moment in time. Will we get John Moxley cutting a promo about the fact that there's no man in AW that can beat him? He's been in a lot of matches before. Where better to be stupid with lads than in Philadelphia? Then we get CM Punk coming out and talking about his new Jordans, how he got to the business in Philadelphia. He said he's glad to be part of the community. He threw down a challenge to Daniel Garcia to meet him on Rampage this week. Uh, I do love CM Punk, but I've seen a lot of... Um, all asking is are they using CM Punk right with him wrestling the younger guys? What are your? I, I mean, I I did kind of catch wind of some of this discussion going on on Twitter, and I don't see the problem with it. But you've got someone who is a very well known veteran that is so popular, no one wanted him to leave the company, and we have him facing some new, fresh faces that could continue on to become faces of that division or faces of a different company's division in the future and to see him be wrestling these fresh new faces instead of continuously probably putting him in matches that we've probably uh, with wrestlers that we've probably seen him face off in WWE I don't understand what what people's issues are I am really personally enjoying seeing CM Punk in all of these different young persons type matches where you really just don't know what's going to come across. You know, uh, Punk has been out of the business for for seven years. There is always constantly that that question of doubt of what when is it when is his sort of that win streak going to get um, taken from him, so to speak, and things like that. And it, it's exciting to think that it could be a new young fresh face that you know defeated that streak, rather than say the likes of Brian Danielson or John Moxley or Miro, or those who have been in WWE, who we've probably seen him wrestle in WWE, or we could have probably seen it if WWE had booked it correctly. I don't have an issue. I think having him against these young persons are doing just as much good for them as it is him. Well, and, and I've seen Punk said, you know, the formula of WWE of coming back, being at a Royal Rumble, you know, main event of WrestleMania, want to try something, but, you know, seeing Punk is still getting the reactions that he got when he uh, returns. So I think if the thing is, if we count thing, then maybe it loses its special appeal. But I think with someone like CM Punk, he's different to most other wrestlers because he has that love from the fans no matter what. You know, no matter who, no offence to these younger guys, but he can room and still get a reaction. Yeah, I agree with that. Anyway, we get footage of Arn Anderson's. And his take on the Malachi Black Cody Rose feud. He's starting to fire outside of Cody's house. He makes Rose take his tie off, tell him to paint the style on his face and make it cool. Cody tries to stop him from burning a tie and Arn slaps him, making his burn his own tie. When did Arn Anson? I know he's been doing it for years, but when did he become such a badass recently, you know? Honestly, I was going to say, I feel like Arn has become all badass since, um, you know, Cody couldn't get the badassness done. You know, it's like Aaron just decided to go, do you know what? I'm going to show you how to do it. And this is how you do it. Yeah, he said, block. he's a big <laughs> bad motherfucker. He's going to show up dressed like Terminator soon. You know, just sunglasses, everything like this. Um, we get Sammy Guevara with an inset promo. And he gives Fiogo the soul a new truck. So he's going to beat Bobby Fish. Uh, tell you what. Fugue didn't seem that happy that Sammy got my car. But anyway, on to the TNT Championship match. Uh, Bobby Fish, Sammy Guevara, the champ, climbed to the top rope, but Fish kicked his leg out from under him. He hit Falcon Hour from the top, but Guevara 
out and the TNT champ was able to make a comeback, score the win with his finisher. Uh, what were your thoughts on this? Fish seems a completely different wrestler. Oh, definitely. Um, he comes across more aggressive. It also, do you know what? It just looks like he's having a lot more fun. Um, his, with with that match with um, Brian Danielson, it just it came across like even Brian Danielson was enjoying himself, and we've been seeing that a lot with Brian Danielson in his matches. But um, yeah, seeing him and Bobby Fish, it was just really enjoyable. I think without that, will we get American Top Team come to the ring and score for? Attacks Guevara. Judah Dos Santos joins the beatdown. Fergal Soul tries to help but gets overwhelmed. And Chris Jericho, Jake Hager run and even the odds. And after the crowd sang Judas, Lambert says Tony Khan has all the stroke in the world. And it'll be America's top team, Tony Miami. And he wants a six man tag team match. Uh, Jericho accepts. Some may like this, but I feel Dan Lambert has got that Vicky Guerrero heat when she was in WWE of just. They they hate us so much that it just annoys is definite. Yeah, I mean, the minute you brought up Vicky Guerrero, that's kind of you know instantly thinking of that. I can see Dan getting that way eventually. Um, I'm 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 not entirely sure whether or not I I feel like this is working. This whole sort of crossover with the MMA um, thing. Uh, I'm 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 really kind of open to seeing kind of um what comes of this match come full gear. Um, but I am a little bit apprehensive as to whether or not this is really going to do anything beneficial for those involved. I think the thing is for me, and, and people might mention like a Mike Tyson, you know, go, oh, look how much difference that made. But I think when you think about Mike Tyson, he was so crazy, he could have done anything at any moment. When you've got trained MMA fighters coming to professional it's a little bit different because obviously we we look at it differently and i don't know many people that watch ufc or better will see the santos and go oh do you know what let me watch wrestling because they're kind of stuck in the mud anyway i may be wrong and understand the kind of mainstream but i just think this could be quite hit or you know it's two different fan bases yeah um it kind of feels like that you know um and sometimes that does work but i think uh, uh I don't know. Again, it's, it it can be hit and miss, you know. I think we're so, out. For for some it will, for some people it works, um, and then for some people it won't. I think for the moment I'm just going to kind of be that that neutral in between. Um, I just need to see a little bit more to to determine whether or not this is actually beneficial for for either party. Yeah, I would agree. We would have claimed cut prior, but it's mostly Max Caster uh, rapping about how they want a tag title shot. And back from commercial, Tony Schiavone is in the ring for our promise big announcement. Schiavone talks about the move to TBS and Aubrey Edwards introduces the new mid-card women's championship, the AEW TBS championship. Shall we talk about the elephant in the room? I think we shall. Um, (laughs) There was a lot of talk about this TBS championship looking like a hose title. Now, I weren't sure what people were talking about, and I've actually seen a few pictures. I don't know. Is it TBS? Is it hose? Is it just people being resentful? Like a hose as in like a, like a female. As in, yeah, it looks... It's not what people are saying about it. Right, if, if you can look at a picture, it looks like tiny eight hose. That's, that's insane. Oh, Right, okay, so they're talking about, like, the way that it's actually... Um, the look, like the look of the belt, yeah. 
Okay, well, first of all, I really do like the blue that is on the belt, like the small little amount of blue that they've put on it. I actually really like that, especially because t- the TNT title has an, um, some red on it. And I think that it's really nice to dis- distinguish different colors. That being said, I've never noticed this before. So this is a first for me hearing. Um, that I'm going to have to have a look again to really like <laughs> judge the belt and whether or not I think that that's what it looks like. Because I didn't, I didn't realize that that's um, that's a thing. But I can, I can understand that with the B, especially yeah. if it's not, you know. Um, <laughs> we're get, we're going to discuss it more on the live show because I've got a big problem with championship belts, and it's not just a Velcro. Oh, so, really? Oh. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk, go into detail. So we'll discuss TBS yeah. or hose then. It will give it will give me time to actually go and look at this belt again and then I can give you my full opinion on it full research that's what we want here uh well <laughs> interviews Darby Allen to sit down Allen talks about why he paints his face because dead uncle his chest is war because he's seen men like him a thousand times leads to Darby Allen versus Comoroto um a coffin drop immediately for the win after the ad break. QT Marshall comes in and hits Sting with a cutter, but Legend popped right back up to his feet and kicked him in the groin. He sparked Marshall with a scorpion death joke. This was just kind of a one-note match, uh, kind of giving Sting and Derby airtime, wasn't it, you know? Yeah, and I also think it was kind of one of those ones where it's like, um, I'm pretty sure that uh, Excalibur says this quite a bit, but it's like give the people what they want, <laughs> you know. So it, uh, sometimes in in AEW they do give us those feel good moments that we're all looking for, and I think this was one of them. Um, you know, just to see Sting be able to take a cutter like that and then just get up instantly. I'm not thinking what is this. I'm thinking Sting is the best. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, I, I, you know, people go, how dare you, AEW, giving people what they like and enjoy, you, know, <laughs> you bastards. How dare you? And then there's, you know, thank you very much for that. Thank you. <laughs> well, speaking about what we want, the Dark Order are backstage, and I agree to settle the vote and the suggestion of John Silver. He wants Alan Angels to remask Luke Grayson. They bicker and Anna Jay settle. Uh, Tony Schwann interviews Dante Martin in the middle of the ring. Come to everyone in the locker room. He tells us only gets the likes of Kenny Omega. And he's here to fight anyone. Just like that, the lights go out. As they come back up and Malachi Black is... He spits the black mist and lays Martin out with a black mass. And the lights go out and they come back again. Dante's gone. The black gets on the mic and he says the house of black accepts. He martyred on suffering. Um... Again, is this Malachi Black treading water or building a legend? I mean, I think it depends on people's patience when you say that. And I I say it like that because a lot of people could look at this and be like, you know, he should be getting pushed even more. He shouldn't be going against the likes of maybe someone like Dante Martin. He should be up there already. But do you know what? There is no rush in getting all of these great wrestlers and all of these superstars, not only the airtime, but the ability to showcase what they can do and right now Alistair Black is just uh, uh, Malachi Black sorry is just setting up all of those small little nodes for us to eventually get uh, he's setting up his character to be that of become that of a legend Um, he is going to become that type of character that I could see in a few years time every time it it blacks out everyone is, is thinking it's House of Black time um, he's already got the the fans down. 
he's he doesn't need to rush being given a title or being handed a title or anything like that. I love this whole sort of stalking of his prey that he's doing. And I love that he's taking more risk by, you know, going after some of the younger ones. Maybe looking at it from my point of view, I looked at it like, you know, he's trying to take out future competition before it becomes future competition. I'm really liking this side of Malachi Black because he's unpredictable. You really don't know what he's going to do next. And it just leaves you kind of wanting more because you don't know where he's going to pop up next. Yeah, and like you said, he's got that aura as well that not many wrestlers uh, can get. Up next, Ricky Starks in the ring and he wants to make history and do good by these people. In typical Brian fashion, he didn't show up tonight. He wanted to wrestle, but to fight him in a Philly street fight. But, you know, and here comes Brian Cage. Uh, with a corner allowance, still hook and powerhouse wall, hops pull a boy out of the ring. I mean, is this? It's, I forget this. I forgot this feud was still ongoing. <laughs> you know, I watch AEW and I go, oh, yeah, they're still doing that Brian Cage, Ricky Starks thing, aren't they? You know? Do you know what the thing is? I thought this, uh, this. I, th- I thought it was kind of over until <laughs> until I saw this feud. Um, the, the th- I actually liked the feud that they were having kind of when it was giving being given like regular airtime but as you just said it, it kind of feels like we've forgotten about that or that it should have kind of ended so i i just need them to start putting uh i need AEW to start putting brian cage and will hobbs in different matches but with other great big men <laughs> because they both have so much potential but we do not need to see them week in week out facing each other you know, um, and this also includes Ricky Starks because it's kind of like either Brian Cage versus Ricky Starks, Brian Cage versus Will Hobbs. Now, those matches are good in itself, but we don't need that. No, and the thing with Ricky Starks as well, I don't know if he's carrying an injury, whatever it is, but they've kind of gone, right, we're going to turn him to the commentary at this moment in time, which, again, he is right on me because I moaned about him last time. You want a little bit more. And speaking of it, a little bit more, we get Hikura Shida versus Serena Deeb. Um, Deeb hit a chop block and a swing and net breaker. Sheeda came back with a falcon arrow. The former NWA Women's Champion raked Sheeda's eyes, hit the detox for a close two counts. She locked in a serenity lock, submission victory. This is for Sheeda's uh, 50 wins. This was really Oh my gosh, this was brilliant. This was one of those matches that you actually just say to yourself, this could be a match for contender of the year. It would be a contender of the year match. Um, both both women were really great. Obviously, as you just said, this was supposed to, well, this match could have been Sheeta's 50th win and becoming the first ever female to ha- have 50 wins on AEW just comes across in, in such a you know sort of great way, especially with the way that they sort of hyped up Jungle Boy and his 50 wins. Um, so it was even, even better that she didn't win. And it was even better that Serena just absolutely milked it for everything she could she made sure that she was tapping out she made sure it wasn't a accidental pin or a roll up one she made sure that she was tapping out on an injury that she had she made sure to then go out and just knock her silly with that um uh award that she was to be presented and do you know what i like about that is that aew presumed she would win and serena just got so annoyed with that she was like, here, have your 50 wins to your face because you haven't actually won. And I really liked that. I think it started to tell, um, uh, create an epic storyline for both women. Um, I think it actually, that this match did so well in kind of putting Serena Deeb on that map where people were talking about her 
a lot more as well and wanting that rematch I just thought overall both women killed it it was great yeah I think without that give me hope for the women's title Deeb looked great it's a statement made by Deeb and the whole point with Fuse and something like this is stakes we talk about you know seeing Thunder Rose and Britt Baker and, and Sheeda and Deeb have already given us something from something so simple as well like I said with 50 wins uh, to continue here uh, Darby Allen was interviewed backstage and then f- five masked men attack him beat him down um, and the choking who's on his skateboard <laughs> And then we uh, we see Tony Shavani call MJF a prick. I always like that. Uh, Leah Rush, <laughs> Rush gets a promo, calls Dante Martin as a fan, and uh, he's supposed to accept Malachi Black's challenge. Maybe he'll need some help, so he's going to have his people call his people soon. Britt Baker gets uh, a standard interview backstage with Tony Schiavone. Says the TBS Championship is fantastic because no all the jealous bitches in the back can fight amongst themselves instead of obsessing over her and her title. Has Britt Baker, is she secluded herself from the rest of the world? She is a level above at this moment in time? No, I think that it was, I think, I feel like this came across more in the sense of um, Britt's kind of like, oh damn, there's a new title? Good, I can keep hold of this one for that much longer, so I must stay quiet and leave everyone to just be worrying and wondering about whether or not they can get that belt and not mine, you know? Um, so I didn't see it as her just kind of trying to shy away. I see it more a case of she's like, good, there's a limelight on this new belt. Let's forget about me because of I'm the best and I'm the only one who should have this title. <laughs> that, that just comes from it. She she thinks that just because a new women's title has come into play, it means that she doesn't have to consecutively uh, defend hers. So um, it just goes along with her character, I think. Well, the main event was the AW World Championship number one contender casino ladder match. Andrade, Odello, John Moxley, Lance Archer, Big Money, Matt Hardy, Orange Cassidy, Pac versus a mystery man. And Pac Cassidy started in the ring. They didn't even have a chance to climb a ladder before Odello made his entrance. He hit Pac with a huge slip from the ladder. Hardy was a fourth man to enter. He went right after Cassidy with a side effect. Lance Archer made his entrance in a break. Moxley was up next, and Archer met him in the crowd to get the fight started. And the Joker was thrilled to be Hangman Adam Page. What a pop! I mean, I think I even got my seat at home. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think I pretty much was the same. I was shouting out "Daddy Page" because he's a new dad, isn't he? He's got he got he had a son recently, uh, so now he's adopted the name of Daddy Page. <laughs> so I'm there shouting. My partner's looking at me really funny. <laughs> I'm just having to look at him. <laughs> well, no, it's better than me shouting, cowboy shit. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> no, this was a great pop. But, I mean, even from the get-go, it was, there was just so much wonder as to who that character was, uh, who, the, who the wrestler was going to be. And I couldn't imagine anyone but anyone else but Hangman Page being revealed, you know? Even the graphic, when he came out, it says, finally showed up to work. Like, it's just a little thing. There you go. Yeah, that's why I like AEW4. And he is the biggest face in AEW as well. And he went up for Mox as soon as he hit the ring. He took out everyone but himself before Pac hit him with a chair. Hardy put Cassidy through a table. And after fighting off Moxley, Hangman grabbed the oversized poker chip to claim the win. What a dynamite and what a main event. 
Definitely. I mean, the main thing that I can say about uh, that I want to point out about the main event, which is something that I really appreciate because I'm not really sure whether or not it was Tony who who came up with this, whether it was um, anyone else in creative. But the order, they decided to bring each of the uh, contestants for the ladder match out was perfectly executed. First of all, they gave, they practically gave us Andrade versus Pac 3.0. Um, in that opening segment and then it was just sort of one after the other just coming in with all these different storylines entwined with it so straight after those two was Matt Hardy and Orange Cassidy and we both know that you know he's he's been feuding with with Orange Cassidy for a while now so you could really believe all of the tension that was already in the in the ring and then you get this the, the wild card with a when it came to John Moxley just coming in and wrecking everything just to have the the one man that he really feuded with and that's how John Moxley came into this competition taking out um oh no no that was Kenny Omega wasn't it I am getting confused a little bit so let me backtrack either way John Moxley and Hangman at the end they were just the the perfect duo to then kind of round this off the only thing that I mean like I said wow uh, waiting for the spots set up ladders whatever I think uh thing that concerned me a little bit was and on a bit mark henry said that pack had a concussion about action to come back and take a bump of the ladder yeah it, it's yeah. ballsy but might be a bit negligent you know i'm, ju- I'm just saying like i'm it's a fine line you know rest right there and give everything but sometimes you have to say just be careful you know first and foremost is health first so i mean you know uh, when it did come to that spot i think there was a lot of people just sort of hoping um, that Pack was okay from that. Um, it is a bit ballsy, but I can also imagine Pack just being like, "Yeah, walk it off," you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No matter. That. This is the thing. The rest is probably not going. Oh, I shouldn't do it, but doctors and something like that in WWE, they, they probably go too far the other end. But you know, we'll move on to Rampage, October the eighth. Has Jericho on commentary. Mark Henry interviews CM Punk and Daniel Garcia. Hell of their match is next. Punk calls 2.0 the nasty boys, his little brothers. Garcia beating. Punk is back in long pants for doing that drinking game. Uh, there you go. Uh, Jericho called Punk a trained MMA fighter, which I quite like. Um, we see Garcia counting the GTS into a sharpshooter. Punk escapes, tosses Garcia over the outside, dives off t- turnbuckle. Takes out Garcia in 2.0. He nailed a pile driver Garcia and finished him off with the Anaconda Vice for the tap out. Nice to see him busting that one out. What were your thoughts? Yeah, um, again, it, uh, it was it was a great match. Um, I think that this Daniel Garcia um, has a lot of potential to go far. Um, I think that the match itself was just overall, it just did what it needed to and it was just a great opening again. Well... A huge fan of Garcia. Let's hope this is not a career high. You know, in 25 years' time, this is when you peaked. Uh, it's the best, best punk has looked. Couldn't use it up. But I did have a feeling of no more young. As in, like, this, this scene from Avenger the Sith where Anakin Skywalker. I just imagine seeing punk walking in, taking out all these younger. I mean, to, I mean, to be fair, uh, I do think that he has... To, he's spoiled for choice in terms of the amount of young wrestlers he, he can go against. But I do think there needs to be like an, a medium balance. So far, we've ha- we've seen him have very short feuds. It would be great to kind of maybe start building him up on 
like you know like um maybe one of a few that's going to last uh for a few weeks um that could build up to the next pay-per-view you know um maybe someone that that does have a bit more experience and mainly just so that we have that wow factor um at that pay-per-view whichever one that they face off at. so um i do think that it would be good to kind of see him against some more veteran type wrestlers as well um and just hope that that's to come but i'm not going to complain at seeing punk really give really give a good match to these young wrestlers and actually allow them to gain the experience whilst being in the ring with him. Leo Rush is backstage with Dante Martin and Matt Seidel. Seidel is sceptical with Leo's big talk. Rush did get Seidel match against CM Punk next page. And then we get the Lucha Bros acclaimed to retain the AW World Tag Team titles. This was a ridiculously fast-paced bout. The Hills briefly gave the upper hand with a boot shot, but they fell victim to Phoenix and Penta's tandem pass. I finish her. Before the match, Max Caster insulted Arn Anson, Ben Simmons, and Rocky Balboa during his entrance ramp. But uh, Lucha Brothers, they're just so goddamn entertaining. Aren't they? they really are. Um, you can really just tell, again, it's a sort of, it's, it's a brother's thing, but you can just tell, you can feel the trust coming from both of them. The, their high moves are just forever breathtaking to watch. Um, I just love the Lucha Brothers. I think they're great. And yeah, they just did their thing against the acclaim, didn't they? <laughs> it is just, you know, it was it was a fun match overall. But And I thought maybe Lucha Brothers featured a Rampage a lot. be interesting to see kind of what... Yeah, but isn't that to do with... Um... Oh, no, wait. I'm thinking about someone else. Never mind. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that was easy to deal with. We see Jay Cargill defeating Sky Blue. Uh, to remain undefeated. Uh, it was made clear that Cargill plans to win the TBS Championship, which I think uh, she laid in with Thunder Rosa charges the chair. Cargill backed out. Thunder Rose versus Jay Cargill? I don't mind this. Yes. Give it to us. <laughs> we, we get the World Title Eliminated Tournament's return this year, with the finals once again taking place at full gear. Full bracket will be revealed on a special Saturday Dynamite on October 16th. Uh, Mark Henry with Ricky Starks and Brian Cage right for the Philly Street fight. And then Ricky Stark pins Brian Cage to retain. Uh, we see a garbage can, a chain, a pipe. No, they're not playing Cluedo. They're actually having a street fight. Uh, it looks like Cage was about to finish Starks off, but Hook and run in, stop that from happening. Uh, Cage got hit with a low blow and the blood was dripped out. Starks followed up with the Rochambo for the win. Um... I want to say the match wasn't too bad, but AEW haven't had many failures. Brian Cage. Yeah, so I, I was waiting for you to um, ask me my opinion on it, and I, I agree. It was an all right match. However, I, I got to admit, I was slightly disappointed. Brian Cage is a beast, and he is a huge guy. So to have him still feuding with the likes of Ricky Stark, uh, Starks, I'm not saying that Ricky Starks is not as good, but I'm just Brian Cage could be used in so much in so much more. He could be used so much more by AEW, and I just feel like they're really sitting on him. And it's really frustrating because you see his potential in this match, but I don't think that we've fully seen what Brian Cage can give us. Um, and it's a it's a little frustrating. I think my thing is uh, that first off, the match itself, I like the hard way into the chair to Cage, but I hate a guy small using a spear on someone big because it just doesn't work. Starks hitting a spear on Cage, he'll just bounce off. That's what we've been taught. 
You know, it just doesn't... Rey Mysterio doesn't spear Brock Lesnar. We don't get Ricky Stark spearing Brian Cage. I just don't like it. People moaned when Edge saying that he was, you know. <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, off the air, Khan gave an ECW tribute as well, which is quite nice. And then it was a crazy week the following week because I just thought I missed out a dynamite. But October 15th, it restarted with Rampage. And it was a live stream for the buy-in to AEW Rampage, which was the very first time it ever did that, combating uh, Smack FS1. We did have a couple of matches. We had Tay Conti versus Tanner Garrett, where we see Conti hitting the DD Conti finisher and scoring a pinfall victory. Uh, Conti's just getting a little bit better in the ring each week. Isn't she? she is. Um, she, she's... She's kind of like um I I I'd say she uh, she reminds me of like the female version of Hangman Page, in terms of um she is kind of like what you'd call the ultimate sort of babyface right now, um and I think if she's continued to be marketed that way, I think that that could work really well for her. Um, I I just find her quite interesting to watch in the ring. I see her always trying something new, um, and it's it's quite um refreshing to see someone who's willing to kind of take risks and try something new, even if it's like the smallest of moves. But when you're a veteran like me that watches week in and week out, and that includes the smaller shows like Elevation and Dark, you see those sorts of moves coming into fruition. And you can appreciate the wrestlers that actually take time to try and, you know, add more to their moveset. Yeah, I completely agree. Up next, Lee Moriarty versus Bobby Fish. We get dueling, let's go Bobby, let's go Lee Chance. Get Fish dominate for a few minutes. Uh, and we see Fish follow up. Moretta escapes with a jumping knee strike. And Fish with a crazy exploded suplex into the ropes. He follows up with a knockout shot with a big kick for the pinfall victory. Uh, the match was fine with obviously a bigger match versus Brian tomorrow. And then we get Brian Danielson versus Minura Suzuki vignette. And then the main event. Danielson and Suzuki go face to face as the music continues to play. Music finally dies down. The bell sounds. The fans are doing the loud holy shit in A-Dub. And this chance before it happens. Suzuki holds Danielson's head. Which Danielson allows. And just blasts him with a forearm to the face. That seems to almost knock him out. She cut open the cheek in the process as well. Danielson gets up for a bit. And his piss who starts rapid firing kicks at Suzuki. Uh, he keeps hulking up though, does Suzuki. As Danielson beats him on some more. And Suzuki takes over and starts kicking Daniels. But Danielson starts no selling hulking up each shot as well. They end up both slumping down to the mat. And the fans chant A-Dub. They go nose to nose. Back up. Trade more back. And they each stop and let out war scream right in the other's face for re-engaging with more exchanges. They each hit the ropes and Dazzle lands his running knee strike for the pin victory. What were your... I mean, this was such a main event. I, I was even shouting this is awesome before things had even started. It was something that I was very much looking forward to the minute they announced it. Um, and I never expected it. It was just one of those matches that you never expect or the match that you never knew you needed until you got it. And you could really tell that both of them were really enjoying themselves in the ring. And it, both men just went hard. They both said to each other, let's either go hard or go home, you know, and they brought the violence and it was such a great match. Um, I don't have much to say about it apart from how awesome it was. Well, what an exchange. And, you know, and people, Twitter's a funny place where they say, oh, look, Danielson having bangers finally after so long. No, he had five-star matches in WWE. It's just a slight change of style. Uh, I feel like it's so, more the case of 
he's he's allowed to do more in the ring. It's not that he hasn't had five star matches, but I think that he's got a lot more creative because of the fact that he is allowed that creativeness in the ring. You know, um, with WWE, I think that he still had great matches, but I do think that they were a lot more um, worked on. If that makes sense. This, but great. again, this is a point earlier about wrestling safety, but. In AEW, wrestlers are going to do more to Daniels than they were allowed to in WWE, whether that's right yeah. or wrong. But that necessitates a change then as well. And like I said, he's going back to the American Dragon, which was what he became famous for, which is a bit more aggressive styled as well. And like I said, he's going out in every match and going full of that. Uh, mm. Unfortunately, CM Punk had to try and follow that, which, again, probably makes backstage not happy about in overall. Uh, we get Zidell's entrance as we switch to a main rampage. Also, Matt Zidell and CM Punk's entrance as well. And the crowd is chanting for ice cream bars early. And Zidell is trying to blow up Punk's cardio, which little story there. But later on, Punk was able to lock in the Anaconda vice. But Zidell quickly got to his feet on the ropes to break it. He came back and hit lightning spiral finish, but Punk kicks out. Too fancy with his leaping offense. Gets caught on Punk's shoulders, going for a crucifix. In perfect position for a sudden GS. And both men shake hands after the match, which is always nice to see. Yeah, it is. And I think it was just like a really good, friendly match between the both of them. I thought, um, I mean, Matt Seidel just always looks great, especially when he's just either mid-air or, or on the top rope doing some form of amazing dive or, or leap off of there. Um, and I thought this was overall just a, a great match to see. And I wouldn't necessarily call him a young one. So it was nice to see him in a change of pace. Yeah, about that, back to Trunks as well. Anybody paying attention? Uh, this was kind of like the old CM Punk. Credit to Sidell as well. Dark Order's backstage <laughs> challenging Young Bucks and the Colter match. Uh, and they want to do their part to help Paige in his future battles with Omega and the Elite. Um, we then get Taz singing Ruby's theme music on commentary. And- Taz, I will, I will say that's fair. Uh, Ruby Sire versus the Bunny then is the match. And there were some rough-looking bumps early on, including Ruby's neck gets smashed into the turnbuckle. She survived a German suplex, eventually picked up the win, and turning the Bunny's finish into a backslide. After the match was over, Pelipi Ford ran out and ambushed Soho from behind. Ford and the Bunny ganged up on Ruby in the ring, knocked out Soho with a brass punch. Um, this was all right, but when you think the Bunny's been wrestling years, you think... What she been doing those sixteen years? Am I being a bit too harsh? I mean, no, I you, you're not. I think I think you're. I think it's really difficult because right now we don't see a lot of Penelope Ford on main, uh, a lot of a dynamite or a rampage. We see her a lot more on on dark and elevation. So you know, for for some that don't watch those smaller programs, it's probably a case of well, where did this come from? This has come out from nowhere, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, when when it comes to sort of the bunnies repertoire, um, you know how you know how earlier I was just saying about Ty Conti and how you um I I can take in the appreciation of seeing sort of new moves that she's trying out. How has the bunny been here for two years and I feel like she's made no progression? Please. And that's not me trying to badmouth her. I actually think that she's worked on her character well. But when it comes to the wrestling itself, I'm um yeah, I'm just a little bit uh questioning um how far she's really going to go if she doesn't start putting a bit more effort into 
her moveset, you know? Yeah, we, we don't want a manager. There's nothing wrong with managers if you want to do that. But, like, if you're in wing talent, especially with nearly two decades, it's just, like, maybe a little bit more. Maybe the heel role, she can't maybe express herself. I'm going to get Andrade versus Pac next week on Rampage. And then Mark Henry interviews the Inner Circle in America Top Team. We then see the audience singing Jericho and the singing as you, Dan Lambert, and then runs down the crowd for singing the crap uh, in America's top team's turf. The audience uh, politely tend to shut the fuck up. It doesn't take long for Junior Dos Santos to get involved in the main event. His pro wrestling debut. Later on, Sammy goes ape shit, knowing this guy were a double cutter. We see Jericho come in, um, reverse disguise TKO into the walls of Jericho. Hager drives Dos Santos through the times, keep his table, but Paige Van Sant distracts the ref. Masvidal KOs Jericho with a running knee again, and the inner circle lose the men of the year. And after the match is over, they continue to beat down. Santana Ortiz come out to make the save and run off the hills, as it looks like the inner circle were reunited. But I'm just going to say before I get your thoughts, if mm-hmm. this was W, they would have been absolutely slated if it was WWE. I mean, uh, this match for me just didn't do much. Um, I think that it would have been a bit too obvious for to have the inner circle win. Um, but at the same time, I was kind of thinking, I was already questioning to myself, um, well, if they lost here, they're going to win it for pay-per-view, aren't they? Um and it's just going to be one of those feel-good moments again. And as much as I like those feel-good moments, I'm really worried that the Inner Circle are going to become that sort of novelty group that always have this sort of, like, novelty match. Do, do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. I feel like there is so much potential when it, when it comes to the likes of Jake Hager and Wardlow. We've kind of already seen that and things. I don't really want it to get to a point where the Inner Circle become that sort of novelty group that are either doing the talk show, uh, creating their own talk show and having a talk show um, or, 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 you know, always having just like the fun random backstage stint yeah, or it's... always out at the last minute to make the save for, for others and everyone else, you know, that like, I think that they, they all individually need time to shine. And I, I'm not sure whether or not they need to take an inner circle break or not. Please don't help hate me for bringing no, that I've... up. I think without that, you don't want him to be DX laying out Damien Sandow. You know, you want yeah. him to be so expected. And you're waiting for Santana Ortiz to kind of uh, go along on her own. Even with Guevara winning the TNT title, it's like, dude, TNT champion is meant to defend every week. Like, you're the only one not. And I know they've got this feud going on, but that's taken away then from the uh, TNT champion. Yeah, I mean, I would have happily sufficed in having... Chris Jericho and Jake Hager um, setting up a tag team match between the men of the year and, you know, uh, they're, they're just having an ongoing feud. Mm. That gives Santana and Ortiz a bit more time in the tag division because right now they are doing very well. They're, they're, their win streak is going up. So I still believe that we have potential to have a potential uh, Lucha Brothers versus Proud and Powerful uh, um, showdown, which I eventually want, you know, um, but then it's almost like they kind of came running back to the inner circle to save them. And now they've ended up getting embroiled in, into the feud that is their feud, you know. And then there's Sammy, who has just won the TNT championship, who should be, who is a singles belt. So he really should be actually defending that belt against singles like wrestlers. Um, and yet, like, we've still got this sort of like novel, 
this group going on for a novelty match. That's what I'm calling it right now because I don't truly believe that these MMA fighters are going to, you know, th- this is going to amount to anything for them after. This is just like a one-off match. Yeah. So I-, I just don't see it doing anything for the careers of the inner circle. Well, when the first ever Friday Night Wars, uh, Friday Night Smackdown defeated Rampage, per the Fast Nationals, uh, Smackdown got 793,000, while AEW Rampage drew 549,000. Smackdown's viewership was down 63% on FS1. Uh, but I think AEW won the 18 to 49 or whatever the rating is that they go on about. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I Soon I'll be too old. You know, soon they won't care about us. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what it is? I actually think it is more the case of uh, Rampage is on at su- such a later time that it's not necessarily going to work for everyone. So on a Friday night, especially here in the UK, on a Friday night, I will happily stay up um, till 1am and, and start watching you know, um, SmackDown, for example, that starts at 1am, and I can do that. But then when you've got the likes of Rampage starting at 3am over here in the UK, there's no way that you're going to have any UK-based people watching that, whereas they might actually then end up going and watching SmackDown because it starts two hours earlier, you know? So, um, yeah, I can't necessarily blame, uh, uh, say that it's all down to the content. I think it's more a case of timing, and that's why probably SmackDown won the sort of worst on that front. Yeah, well, it's interesting to see if Dynamite you know, tries something there, but, you know, just look at Im- um, Impact and realise that head-to-head doesn't really work. Uh, Construct yourself, and we are Dynamite, October 16th. The show opens very video. CM Punk makes his entrance, join the commentary. Tay Martins, Malachi Black, of course, Leo Rush is Martin's new advisor, and uh, ringside Martin recovered after being beaten down a little super hurricane runner, he survived a single leg submission, but went back to the ropes, springboarding off and further injuring his leg. And that hesitation allowed Black to deliver the Black Mass for the win. But afterwards, he did give his opponent a nod, a rare show of respect. And we mentioned it earlier with the aura. Very Undertaker, wasn't it? You know, not many people can do that. And it seemed genuine. I was going to say, I'm glad that you actually kind of brought up sort of Undertaker part of it, because I remember how shocked I even felt when um, he he picked uh, Jeff Hardy back up um, when Jeff wouldn't stay down, you know? Um, that that in itself, just that show of respect, you're like, oh my God, this has come from the dead man, you know? Um, and I kind of got the same vibe from Malachi Black. Um, and I could even see in Dante Martin's face, he was shocked and also kind of a bit confused. Did I, did I just get a nod of respect from the <laughs> yeah. guy? I am, you know. Um, but again, that I thought it was a great match between between both of them. You really got to see um, sort of what Dante can do, but then you also just got to see Malachi Black slay. And I think that is definitely how they should continue booking him right now. I think without doubt. Well, back from commercial Jurassic Press interview backstage. The whole team is banged up and Cage is home with neck issues. They're lucky Luke Source can walk. But Adam Cole and Kenny Omega roll up a distraction. The Bucks laid Jurassic Express out with super kicks and powerbomb Luchasaurus uh, table. And then we see the inner circle make their entrance. Uh, this was quite a long segment, really. It boils down to the inner circle basically being back and wanting to be up American top team for too much time. And this is what you're yeah. talking about in a circle where it's you don't want to become a parody of 
yeah um i mean i really love the inner shop but don't get me wrong I'm, this is not a complaint but at the same time i don't want the amount of sort of like talking that they do in the ring to start taking away from from what they can actually do in the ring as wrestlers um i just didn't think this this section needed to be as long as it actually was i felt like it i felt like it was long when i was watching yeah i think this is when it's like oh you know i i like singing a song but i don't know why you know it's kind of still going on but up next we had Andrade Odillo, his pals, he said he'd come up with a tag team and Las Superlanas, uh, called Superlana 1 and Superlana 2 versus Lucha Brothers, AAA World Tag Team Championship. The champs are master opponents early and shockingly, shock, it was FTR. And the FTR dominated the competition during the break. The champs fought back. Lucha Brothers wiped out Harwood and Wheel at ringside, but a messy finish included interference from Tully Blanchard and a belt shot to Phoenix. Gave well to FDR, scoring a tainted win and winning the AAA Tag Team titles. Uh, what were your thoughts on this? I mean, this is my pretend to be shocked face at seeing it was FTR. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I kind of figured it was going to be them. Um, I was shocked to see that they ended up doing a title change. But then when you, in hindsight, when you look back on it, they kind of, they did the same. They did similar with, you know, Christian Cage. Um, having Christian win the Impact title off of Kenny just shortly before his title match for the AEW title. So uh, the one thing that I that I do not want to happen is for it to get to a, a point where, you know, someone's got two titles, maybe one from outside of AEW, and that we're just going to continuously kind of see this sort of thing play out because that's when that's when it, it does get a bit predictable. That being said, there was nothing predictable about this match. <laughs> this match was crazy insane ftr are, are really up there in best tag team in the world status alongside the lucha brothers and and young bucks um just seeing those four in a ring is just you just never know what you're going to get and it's always going to be awesome so i thought the match itself was great obviously shady dealings with how they won but what, what else can you expect from ftr well like i said really enjoyable match finish was awful but continues uh we leo rush tells dante martin that he is going to be his new tag team partner. Um, we see MJF rolling up backstage, and if he's playing check or cash, they, he says both in his hand, a fat envelope. MJF reminds that's a one-night deal and runs off with the money. If this was WWE, they wouldn't even bother explaining it, but I thought that was quite nice. We get Moxley versus Willie Utah. Uh, Moxley with Larry at the gates, cross-face strikes in the ropes. And the mounted punch with a power arm shift brings our doctors uh, an orange Cassie check on. This was Mox. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, this this was the match with um uh, with uh, sorry, it was with Wheeler Utah. Yeah, this is before he. This is him starting to get annoyed. We're gonna see his full of in a week's time or something. about this though um about about that match because this it, i got i was very confused because you, you all know john moxley can put on a good match but was this was this meant to happen the way it happened or was john moxley in a really bad fucking mood and he just didn't care because he I, kind I, of with with 10 and you know we'll we'll, we'll discuss that in a bit but the way he handled Wheeler Utah, I was really, ex- I was really excited for this match, and I feel like I was just lost for words at how short, quick it was, and just out there. And I just could not tell 
if this was actually meant to happen like that or not. And I think that's what makes Moxley so special as well, when you're never quite sure, because he's, he's, he's flirting with that kind of line as well, isn't he? I was say loose cannon type, but, you know, uh, we see three... <laughs> Just saying that John Moxley is unpredictable is the best word to describe him. Without a doubt. We see Serena Deeb's interview backstage. It's only a matter of time before she comes to the women's division to greatness, but she gets attacked by Shida and they continue to brawl. And then the Dark Order, Alex Reynolds, the super click, and look how Matt Jackson and Nick. Uh, we see the Dark Order momentarily getting the best of the super click and Cole off saying either a pole and a panelistic comeback. Buxley and Cole finished Reynolds with a boom. After the match, Jungle Boy hit the ring and chased off the victor with a steel chair. He pummeled Brown with Cutler, stood tall to close. Uh, what a match this was. I loved the double kiss spot on Adam Cole as well. This was hilarious. Actually made me laugh out loud. I think I think they need to just continue doing this because it's just absolutely... Having the super quick, they're supposed to just be that sort of diabolical team that you just love to watch. And it is exactly that. Just that little segment with the little kissing spot. It's just it's just great TV. It makes for great TV. And we got Socko, which again, you don't get that after Socko shows up. That was a very nice surprise. Well, we get a video package of Cody Rose and Arn Anderson rolling up to inspect the Nightmare Factory. Trainees tell Cody for being late, being an arrogant piece of shit. And when we get Phil Rose <laughs> drills, try and tighten up his game. Brock Addison tags him with a body blow. Lee Johnson gets him with an uppercut. And then secure somebody else, knocks him silly. Bleeding from the mouth, Cody asks what he's doing because he's not learning shit. And Arn tells him he's never doing anything to let the kids down. Does he think the kids were let down when Dusty Rose's first stitch said they weren't because he had it coming? And Malachi Black has it coming. That bad motherfucking Arn Anderson. Honestly, Arn Anderson needs his own T-shirt um, with some of the quotes that he's actually done. Um, I genuinely have an idea in my head for an Arn Anderson T-shirt. It's got a Glock on the front. And then it's got loads of his quotes going around that Glock. <laughs> We see MJF making his entrance, getting the Michaels running the town down, um, and telling him Justin Roberts off not introducing his match against Darby Allen. Wardlow brings a ref and Max calls him to count to ten, but obviously Darby's not here. Uh, Bryce starts counting but lots go out and it's Sting. Freeman runs away and makes like he's going to come back, but he doesn't. Sting versus MJF, I'd actually watch. I would. I mean, I feel like Sting would educate MJF a little bit, which would be so great to see. Um, I just think Sting in general is just such a, a, a he's got he's got that presence about him that when you see him in the ring, you just want to see him slay everyone. So it was just very entertaining to watch him come come down to the ring trying to challenge MJF before MJF ran off, you know, did his usual step of running off. But the thing is, if whoever's booking Sting, if he's helping out, whoever's, you know, putting him in spots, I'm making him less he's looked in 25 years. Like, even with, <laughs> like, just imagine on this in WWE, like, interaction we could have had even Taker if they had booked him correctly, even when he come, because even when he joined AEW, people go, oh, he's too old. 
But look at the way he's, he's rejuvenated. I still want to see more Sting. <laughs> well, I feel like a lot of people probably said that because of what he last did in WWE, which was not even his fault. Even when you like kind of look back at that match, you can even see members of the NWO just like not agreeing with this whole section of Triple H just getting his one over. And it was just, you know, that whole thing with him in WWE was just for Triple H's ego. And that was all it was. Um, And yeah, I just think that Tony did the best thing that he could do, which was bring Sting back and said, just go with it, you know, because this is what we've gotten. And I'm so glad that, you know, he wanted to continue going as well. Look what we're getting from him. He's just delivering each week, whether or not it's in a match or in a promo. Yeah, honestly, it's really stuff we see Tony Tron interviewing Anna J backstage but Britt Baker DMD rolls up to put a boyfriend's faction over beating Jay's Dark Order with a loser and they start brawling then we get Kira Hogan versus Penelope Ford uh, Ford absorbed all of Hogan's um, comeback and downed her and applied the lot for the submission win afterwards Ruby Soho the ring and fought with Ford sending their crash into the entrance ramp um, this was a mess to start and it seemed that the crowd has ever been and I don't think and we're gonna I'll probably argue this I would rather watch Dana Brooke than Penelope wow okay I'm calling that a bit of an insult you should take insult to this I'm just saying um I obviously I think this is where the bias comes out because I'm not a huge Dana Brooke fan I just and it's not even you know because of her character it's mainly because I just don't think that I, I really don't think that she could wrestle but I mean I Again, I feel like that it was a messy segment, um, but I also feel like it, the, the only reason why it was there was really to kind of give that sort of um, that ending of uh, that of the save. Um, is is all just leading up, isn't it? It's all just building uh, building up. But I don't know. I feel like if Penelope Ford was supposed to be taken seriously, then she needs to be on a lot more of the televised content, and because she's not. There's a bit of ring rust, maybe, every time she sort of gets there. Um, it just takes her a while to, like, actually get into the match, you know? Because once the match gets started to get into it, they were delivering quite well. But uh, the beginning of the match wasn't really up to scratch. Not at all. Uh, Mira get a video package where he talks to God and says he knows he can't go home to his wife. Was he not proud enough? Did he not give enough praise? He gave him a body of granite and a neck of sand. Is that a joke? Why have you forsaken your champion? He's done pleading with God. Now he's telling him, make him a champion or make him an enemy. But if he stays silent, he'll snap necks under his foot. And everyone will know pain. He becomes champion and sees her once again. It was, what an incredible promo. It was It was such a great promo. But it, all it did was leave me with the biggest question ever. Are you, are you not going home to Lana every night? <laughs> when you go home, Mira. Because I'm like, oh, you two were together and you're saying that you've not seen your wife in so long. What's happening? <laughs> that, that was the biggest thing that I kept thinking out of it. However, that being said, Miro's promos are just on the ball, aren't they? They've just done so well with advertising him. And I'm just always eager to see him in his next match. And I think the thing is as well, what I'm hearing with Miro is that he does a lot of work himself with it, which kind of makes us, like you said, that character of... Being yourself, turning yourself 100%, uh, you know, turn the volume up is really, really working for him as well. And then Tony's trying to introduce Adam Page, of course, the casino ladder match winner. 
He caught up the story with reliving the trials and tribulations that led him to November 13th. The showdown with Kenny Omega for the AEW World Championship. And though through everything he has promised Cowboy shit, he's confident in himself but full gear he might fail to win a title. Whatever he can guarantee though is that this is the same Cowboy shit mentality. I thought this was the best page of sounded. I thought it was. I thought it was one of those uh, better uh, promos that he has done. Um, his confidence, the way he came across, just really, um, you could tell that the crowd were being uplifted with everything that he was saying as well. And when you are um, what we both call veterans, um, who has watched this, this content right from the very beginning, to see the journey that Hangman Page has gone through, um, you really believe that all of that conviction that he had when dealing with when uh, dealing out this promo because of the fact of knowing his sort of epic journey within AEW. So it's all just like it's such it's such good storytelling when it comes to Hangman Page. They've done so well with with really setting up like a really long two year sort of um, downfall and redemption arc with Hangman Page. And I think out of every wrestler that they have on their roster, this has been the most well done in terms of sort out storyline. Yeah, without a doubt. And if it, if it the match goes away, I think it's probably gonna be my favourite storyline in wrestling. Maybe even go back to like Rock and Austin. That's how well the story's been told. Let's not forget and again I don't want to build a pay for you because that's what we're gonna do on Saturday. But one year ago, was it, or was it two years ago? That full gear between um Kenny Omega and Adam chance it was a year ago for a chance at the aw world championship omega winning of course going on to beat moxley one year later look at the journey both had as well it's excellent storytelling uh, but we'll move on to rampage october 22nd we get the first match of the world title eliminator orange cassie versus powerhouse uh hobbs and oc's ribs are taped and Hobbs uh, saw this and mauled him for a few minutes. He even lifted the ref in the air and put him down on the other side. As they bicker each other, Cassidy sneaks behind, wrapped Hobbs up in a mouse trap for the fluke pin in advance to the world title terminator. Uh, this was okay, but do you worry about Orange Cassidy? Because the reaction he gets is a bit less each week as well. Do you know what it is? I don't even think it's the reaction to him, but I do think that this was... I, you know how much I love Orange Cassidy, so I'm really not trying to badmouth him here. But how the fuck are you going to have Will Hobbs lose to a roll-up pin, a man of that size, against a man whose ribs were openly taped up and hurting on him? And all of this, uh, I just... I I, I'm, I'm, I feel like they're, they only did this because they feel like Orange Cassidy is more popular, and I don't think it was necessarily needed. I think this was a perfect opportunity to have someone as heel as Will Hobbs is right now uh, go through. Um, and I think that, he, I do think, believe that he should have absolutely slaughtered Orange Cassidy. Um, I think everyone knows that he does have the potential in him. When you look at a man as big as that, and when you look at the fact that the main, the main thing to take away from that match is that Orange Cassidy already had hurt ribs and they were all taped up for everyone to see. So it really makes no sense how this, how this big man could not even jump out of a roll-up pin. I'm sorry, um, but this was a disappointing match. For me. It, but it's it's like the Ricky Starks beating Cage with a spear. It's weight, it's laws of physics. You know, it's gravity. It's it's stuff. <laughs> it's like... tournament. I really wasn't expecting a rolled-up pin, and 
of all people for it to be done to as well. I just didn't think that it should have been this match. I went into that match already thinking, well, Hobbs is going to absolutely slaughter Orange Cassidy. And we kind of get it. And I'm kind of disappointed because I do believe that Will Hobbs should have had that opportunity to go forward. Well, up next, we see Penta in the ring. We're in interview with Tony Schiavone. And he spots two men in the front wearing the same green luchador mask. FTR won on Dynamite. He confronts him and rips the mask off. But it's not Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler. That's when FTR attacked Penta from behind. Put the boots to him to hold up the AAA and AEW tag titles. And Pack runs them off for the save. And he jumps, I suppose that helps. Um, this is all right. Probably setting up a pay-per-view match. And then next up, Britt Baker versus Anna Jay. Uh, Jay is trying to control the flow of the match, but holding on to Baker's vulnerable lit- wrist. And they both go for the finish early, but to no avail. And Jamie Hayek creates distraction. Baker comes back with a fuss kick, applies lockjaw for the tap out. Afterwards, Baker puts Jay back in the lockjaw. Tay Conte runs in and lays in a few shots. Baker gets out of Places the AW Women's Championship in ring. Look, I like Tay, but is she really a serious threat to Britt Baker's um, title? Um, I think she could be, but I think that right now, I, th- I think that the build-up isn't there for us to really believe that she can take that. And the only reason why I say that is because um, with Anna Jay, with Anna Jay's return, it felt more like um, that should have been the the push that we were getting. So, you know, maybe it should have been swapped the other way round. You know, it'd be more like Anna Jay potentially becoming that threat for Britt Baker with sort of the backup of having her friend Ty, um, you know, there. Uh, that being said, I really am looking forward to it. I, I, th- I think that Ty um, is great in the ring and she's so entertaining. I would, you know, kind of like to see her against Britt myself. But I'm also really confused as to why the hell she wasn't out there in the first place. We all know what Britt Baker is like with her little stooge group. Everyone does. It really baffles me as to how she didn't come out with her friend in the first place. So but that to me didn't make sense because we all know how dirty Britt p- plays. And we've all seen it before where, you know, when when one team comes out and they've got their protégés with them or whatever, then the other one will come out and they will bring some of their team with them as well. This yeah. felt it should have been... <laughs> where Ty came out with Anna right from the get-go but it didn't happen and I know it was because they wanted her to come out for the save but I think that I think that if they were going to do that then there there should there should have been more build-up for this storyline of Ty versus Brett I don't think that the storyline has fully developed for for there to be a decent enough feud where you're like oh could Ty take it you know whereas like when you and the build-up to that for that feud for full gear, uh, when you look at Kenny and Hangman Page, there's de- definitely the question of can he win it? He could win it, you know. Um, but yeah, with Ty versus Grip right now, it it doesn't feel like Ty's a big enough threat. Even though I feel like she could be, but I don't think she's been marketed well enough for other for for everyone to believe she's got potential to be able to take that belt from Grip. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I think that, uh, and I, and I think with 
the the faces. They expect everything to be fine. They come out whistling. Do do do. Oh no! Wait, you're gonna double. T- I just think that's what most baby faces are morons, really, aren't they? Uh, we get a bracket for the TBS Championship Tournament revealed. We get Anna J versus Jamie Hayter, the Bunny versus Red Velvet, Serena D versus Kurishida, and Pen MP4 versus Ruby Soho. And of course, we is going to be she's twelve women of four first round buys and Thunder Rosie J Carlander and Nyla Rose go through because they're the top field. Let me see Mark Henry doing a split screen interview for the main event between Pac and Andrade. Everyone is banned from ringside for this. And like I said, within the first minute of the main event, Pac is already going for German suplexes flying off the top rope, crashing onto Andrade on the outside. Andrade returns the favour with spinning springboard plancher. Later on, Pac spikes on the with a flying cutter, locks in a brutaliser. Andrade reaches the ropes, though. Did execute a lot of high-risk offence in this one, and it bit him in the arse a few times. Pac managed to clutch him in a buckle, hit an avalanche brainbuster. Both men count each other's holes at furious pace and fired blow after blow until Pac finally rolled Andrade up from the hammerlock for the win. Um, what were your thoughts on this? Because this was... I mean... Just just give me this on a weekly basis and I'd be happy, you know. Um, and I could watch Andrade and Pac in the ring together forever, I think. But they're, they're two of those wrestlers that I would never complain about seeing rematch after rematch after rematch because every match between them is different. Uh, there's so much aggression between both of them and they both work so well together. The chemistry is just there. They could enter, they entertained so well. Uh, this match was just chef's kiss. It was Great. Yeah, I think we're out. Uh, the DDT in the apron inside was such a dangerous bump to take. But like I said, day long. But immediately after the pin is count, the lights go out. They come back on and Malachi Black is in the ring. He spits in the mist at Pack. The two hills beat up their helpless bastard. That's when Arn Anson walks down. Hills lock eyes with him as he minds pulling out his Glock and shooting. Ah, fucking brilliant. Cody emerges from behind. Close eyes to dried out the ring and they get better at Malachi. Um, and Rampage go there. I mean, give me all the lists. You know, Pack versus Black would be great. Tag team match as well. And weird enough, three different NXT champions as well. Um, but would you say this is still mid-card? Um, I don't know if I'd potentially call it mid-card, but I wouldn't necessarily call it, like, main event. Um, I think it, I think it depends because... It depends on those involved because right now, obviously, with this, with with it being uh, surrounded by Cody and the fact that there's so much, so many people that are just very happy to openly boo him right now, I don't think it could be accepted as a main event. Um, oh, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know what I don't know what uh, to do about this situation with Cody because he refuses to go heel, and yet, um, you know, who knows? Maybe this this if he does end up doing some form of like tag team. With pack, maybe it would work, but um, I I don't know. It's really weird with when it comes to this whole thing with Cody at the moment. I don't really feel like he should be putting himself in the main event of anything because of the reaction he's getting naturally. Well, for a second, I thought Arm was just going to blow him all away, but I suppose you know <laughs> it's got to be better than that. Uh, October twenty third, Dynamite, and we start off with the number one contender tournament first round match: American Dragon. Versus Dustin Rhodes. Um, dancing him down to the mat. For the bell. A lot bad to break when Rhodes grabbed the ropes. Uh, he stomped his head a few times as well. But Rhodes turned him inside out. A clothesline spiked with a pole driver for close two count. 
Danielson was able to score the win with a guillotine after the call for the bell once Rose had passed out. Um, again, another really good opener. Yeah. Um, it, don't forget, he passed out whilst flipping him off. Yeah. <laughs> that was the best part. I can't remember. Didn't he do that to someone else before he passed out? And he flipped someone off. Wasn't it? Wasn't it John Moxie? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for like, so actually, yeah. Eddie Kingston. Oh my gosh, what a randomer! <laughs> <laughs> it was such a great match. Um, I feel like it was just one of those ones where it was pure raw anger coming from Eddie, and that could have also been his downfall. I really enjoyed seeing Daniel Bryan kind of um, use a different finisher to end the match as well. I thought that was quite nice. It feels like he's just really using a plethora of different techniques he's um, used throughout the throughout the years and throughout the company. And again, amazing opening, <laughs> opening match. Yeah, you wonder how much um, Dustin has him at this point. But I suppose you have to kind of enjoy it whilst it lasts. And like I said, uh, Daniels is just looking fantastic time as well. Um We'll move on to find my place for a second. I told you, Samuel, this is what I was talking about. I'm just going to talk until I find exactly where I was because I know exactly what is going on. Um, there we go. We see Kenny Omega back in the Elite Cutting a promo. And if people knew Adam, uh, yeah, if the people knew him, <laughs> I'd say Adam Cole. It's not Adam Cole, is it? It's Adam Page. If he knew him like that, wouldn't we call him cowboy shit? They'll chant coward shit. And then we get an FTR cutting a promo about how they're proud to be the AAA Tag Team Champions. Um, we see... <laughs> I suppose it's quite funny because Alex Abahantes as well, obviously parts of Lucha Brothers. Uh, you know, the, the black eye and stuff like this as well. And I'm thinking, when did he... Like I knew he was like the translator, but he really has become part of that group. <laughs> you know, he is he's a lucha brother. And do you know what? That that being said, he really is part of like the lucha team and, and when when they were when they did at outright attack Penta, I remember seeing um I can't remember which one of them, but they it was I think it was Dax who threw the punch and I was like, I swear that just connected to Alex's face and then seeing that bruise on his face, I was like Ouch! That definitely is real. So it it was kind of nice to see how pissed off even he was. Yeah, I think that's fair. Actually, don't think that. And they say revenge is coming as well. They're not happy about that. And then we see Tony Schiavone with Sting for an update of Darby Allen. Um, but then MDF shows up and he brings up Lex Luger being in the. Um, and Sting drops him with the right hand. We've spoken before about this being the lowest common denominator. We're speaking about Lex Luger in a wheelchair. Oh, yeah, you're going to get booed for that. But again, what can you do? The number games overwhelm the Stinger low. Spears beats him down with a chair. Um, MGF takes a seat in the open chair, and they look for his derby. No matter how many times they chant his name, he comes back. This is the best Max. Um, again, not to... Do you... Where are you with MJF? Because sometimes I see him and I go, yeah, and then sometimes it's just like, I'll get on with him. Um, yeah, I think I think sometimes it, with me it's hit and miss. Um, it it kind of depends, you know? Um, I think sometimes like I just get to a point where I feel like MJF is all talk, but then like he'll make up for it when he actually gets to the ring and actually rests, you know? Um, but sometimes when it is promo after promo with him, 
it gets a bit tedious. Well, it's, sometimes it's good stuff, and sometimes I just go. Oh. Uh, Tony's funny. Use Britt Baker for, like I said, standard promo backstage. Talk about how great she and that Tay Conte is going around showing everyone her ass, and that she's not really that tough. So, in my eyes, if she beats her, it means nothing. That's what you took away from it. Well, I'm thinking if she's saying Ty is not a challenger and she's only there for a look, what does she get when she beats her? She expected to beat her. Like you're not gaining. It's it's, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's like if you put your opponent down, and you win the match. What's the point then? There's no need. I think you're reading way too much into that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just true. If if you don't build up your opponent, it, there's a difference between Omega saying to Adam Page about, oh, you, you know, the big situations, you lose your bottle and everything like that. Cause that's something to look at. But when Brit is going, do you know what, Tay? And I'm not, I'm not worried about you whatsoever. It's just like, well, what's the point of having a match then? You beat her and it's just you're in the same situation you were. Rather than saying, if I beat you, at least, you know, you're a challenger for the title. Um, but, hey. I, think, um, I do think that this goes back to what we were saying just previously as well, that I don't feel like there is enough, there's enough story there building up to it. So it, it makes it harder for them to promote it when they don't really have much of a view to go on. Exactly, and she's no threat whatsoever. That is one prediction <laughs> that is definitely going to happen. Uh, we get Penelope Ford versus Ruby Soho in a TBS Championship Tournament first round match. You know, we see Soho starting to make a comeback after spending a long time on defence. Ford now the spinning kick for dropping Soho with a gut buster, and Soho was able to roll her up for the win out of nowhere. Uh, this was sloppy in places and a roll-up finish. Yeah, I, I, I look AEW. Please don't do this to me. Please don't keep doing these roll-up pins and and making them not them them non enjoyable again. Especially when it comes to things like eliminated matches. Okay, because you just had Will Hobbs get rolled up by Orange Cassidy. And now you've got the likes of Ruby Soho, who's only just come into this and could have just gone out. You could have just gone ahead and given her a clean, fresh pin, a clean win. And instead you're, you're doing it by a roll up that, that that's unnecessary. I, I just feel like they need to, especially when it comes to important matches, like eliminator matches. Don't do that. Stop. Well, this is because the thing. That, if anything, it comes across as lazy. And we see it enough times on in WWE, let alone start going to AEW. Uh, Red Velvet comes out and helps um, Ruby with that. And then we see MJF's backstage uh, talk to Wardlow, who asks why uh, he put him in that situation. And uh, he basically apologises and assigns him Sean Spears as his accountability buddy, which I don't think I've ever but still. We get Anthony Green versus Bobby Fish. Every time Green tries to get some momentum going, Fish would ground him. Some kind of brutal kick or suplex. Level Green would run house to the head for a quick win. And after the match, though, Fish went after Green. Showbun that is Hill. Punk runs out to stop him. The music plays after. If Punk's coming out, I want the music. You, you play the music. Don't play it late. Don't play it after we've heard all the cheers of him coming down. Play it before he's even made his entrance. Yeah. That opening rift is enough to get the fans on their feet. Um, weirdly enough, Fish versus Green was a developmental match a couple of months ago. And now, obviously, on Dynamite. Wait, did you have a match? Sorry. Was it, was, did they, have they fought before? They're, they're both in NXT, yeah. 
Oh wow! Wait, I just to be. I, I mean, I'm who was right? Anthony Green to me. I just I don't feel like I've seen enough of him, so I don't really. I didn't even know he was. <laughs> it's it's. I think only I pay attention sometimes when it comes to you know they can be in NXT for a week. And it's still, you know, I remember the old wrestlers back in the day where, you know, you'd be, oh, ex-WWE wrestler. How long were you there? Oh, I, was, I was in a dark match on Raw, you know. <laughs> well, you're not really a W. Oh, well, we'll let you off there. Um, we see Dante, Martin and Leo Rush interview backstage. Uh, they say that we're going to be a tag team tagging against the Sidell brothers. What could possibly go wrong there? Speaking of what could possibly go wrong... Eddie Kingston versus Lance Archer. Lance Archer for the number one contender tournament first round match. We see Eddie attacking Archer during his entry. We see Archer hit a quick splash in the near fall. He set Kingston up for a moonsault from the top rope, but Archer missed and landed on the top of his head. The ref from ringside doctor checked. He rolled back in the ring to continue. Allow. I think that's an acceptable roll-up finish, but what the fuck? Yeah. Close up on Tony Nese at ringside being looked at as Archer lands on his head. Uh, what were your thoughts? <laughs> um, I mean, you know, straight up, I was really just, I actually just was scared. Um, as soon as I saw that bump, I was really scared for, for Lance Archer and I really didn't want the match to keep going. When I, when I saw the, even the doctors sort of attending or medical staff attending, I was really thinking to myself, they've got to hold up the X sign or something. Um, even I saw the bump that he took on that head, and I don't think I think that that's straight up concussion right there. Uh, so I was just very much like, "Oh my gosh, please end this quickly." So I was kind of glad that they ended up doing it this way, and it was necessary, you know. But it's not always necessary. Well, this is the fourth or fifth time in recent time. I hate saying two words so close together. Uh, when an AEW wrestler has been hurt. And again, it was a complete freak accident. But when you are, there's a reason why Brock Lesnar. There's a reason why guys that size don't. Re- and we've seen it. Will Hobbs getting banged up a few times, uh, packed with the concussion. It's it is Tony Khan's ability to say, look, I want to put on the best show, but safety first. And if it takes out that list to kind of put it in perspective, yes, it's horrible. Hopefully, Archer can recover a hundred percent. But maybe you know, teach them a valuable lesson. Mm, definitely, I agree with that. Well, one thing we don't agree on is Abbott, and he's in the ring with Men of the Year. They own the place. And Jericho's not here tonight. Um, well, the only celebrity that Jericho's kissing is Jorge Masvidal. Sammy Guerrero comes out to insult Dan, and Dan insults Sammy, and it's a ten-man tag match at full gear, and this is. <laughs> It, I love it on the microphone when you come out and you go, right, we're going to set this match up. But it now at full gear is dynamite in Boston and put the title on the line. And if you lose, you not only lose the title, but the inner circle. But if you win, then you can tell us who you face. Nice and <laughs> I mean, to be honest, right there and then when they set all those stipulations, I was like, well, guaranteed inner circle are winning. Like, you just, like, you gave them so... so... If you'd have just done one thing, like, okay, fine, Sammy, if you, if you if you lose, then that means you you lose your belt. That then that's fine. But you have to go one further and then go, and you have to leave the inner circle, and 
and and with all these additional stipulations you really are thinking to yourself oh come on we all know that you guys are setting up so that we have a men of the year and mma fighters fighting the inner circle we all know that so why put the stipulation in there um it just kind of like it felt again like another pointless promo for the novelty act and i don't want it to feel like that well no i completely agree with you and the thing is as well about putting sank on the line don't have one wrestler putting two things on the line and another wrestler nothing like the Undertaker used to wrestle at WrestleMania, he used to wrestle for the World Heavyweight Championship and defending it because otherwise it kind of takes away all the surprise. Uh, but then again, uh, we see Moxley cutting a promo. He's supposed to be yelling about how he's going to wreck everyone. That's not on his mind right now. He's thinking about his daughter's eyes. He's looking her eyes and she stares and grabs his pink to everyone in this tournament. He'll get you before you get him. The whole damn thing. We then see the Dark Order hanging out backstage. Adam Page, he wants to apologise for not catching up sooner for everything that's happened while he was gone. So on Halloween week, they're going to be wearing costumes, so the Dark Order have to step up. So is this what we're going to get a, a costume off between the Dark and the Elite? Yes, um, um, we basically see how much it works too. So. <laughs> Pay off, yeah, I suppose. Brandon Cutler versus Jungle Boy. Jack Perry pay, Perry with a powerbomb and a setup to get the women a snare trap. Gets on the mic and says it was a nice little warm-up. Uh, he's feeling pretty good, so why don't you elite pick come out right now? Um, he gets to the ring, turns right into a super kick party from the Young Bucks. They drag Jack to the stage and hit the BT. Cole hits the last shot. They hold him up and Cole calls him a no. And the Bucks throw Jungle Boy off the stage and through the table. Yeah, I mean, this was all great. However, that being said, Jungle Boy, you walked into that. You called everyone out without having any backup yourself. Is he, not, a... is he not watching Rampage and Dynamite? Is he not seeing what's happened to these other people? Clearly not. But, I mean, in my opinion, I was like, okay, well, no offense, Jungle Boy, but you kind of set yourself up for this because yeah, it's all good and well if you're going to talk like that and call out a group if you've got your group with you. But you had none of your group out there with you. What were you doing getting on that mic? Yeah, this is the thing. But the thing you sound like is like uh, one of the parents, the Jungle Boy, um, the elite beat me up. Yeah, but you did it to yourself. Like, don't call them out. It's very, very... You go to dessert now. Uh, and then the main event, Cody Rose versus Malachi Black. The entrance of Black was good till they lived. But again, you know, might like the wrong corner every now and again. It's just the ones that we notice. Uh, we turn to the break, see Rose put Black through a table with crossroads. Uh, Rose did take the brunt of that low. Uh, Black was busted open for the impact. He shoved Rose into the ring post to bust him open too. Andrade came out and Arson planted his assistant with a spine buster. Black took Arn out while Pat ran down to fight Andrade to the back. The Dutch destroyer hit a moonsault, but Rose immediately got to his feet and hit his finisher for a close two count. Black hit a dive and double stomp, and the German Rose hit his finisher a few times, and a target for the pin. What were your thoughts? I knew, I knew what was coming, and I knew that there was just going to be loads of um, booze coming from it and things like that. But, it's, I mean, it's just one of those times where, like, they, they didn't give the fans what they wanted, you know? <laughs> um, I thought it was a great match. I think... Malachi Black and Cody work well with each other. Personally, I think that Malachi needs to be taking wins each week. Um, and this isn't any sort of personal preference towards uh, 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 
or biased towards Malachi Black. I'm not one of those fans that that um is annoyed with Cody um over his success um and you know kind of what he's doing with himself. I don't actually have an issue with that, but what I do have an issue with is the fact that you kind of I, I don't know what, what Cody is doing, you know, in terms of, you know, one minute you're teasing that you're gonna retire uh because this man beat you and uh, to a point where you're so embarrassed or or don't want to come back. But then you're all of a sudden like, you know, you've got this redemption of you coming back and then carrying on the feud and then you're winning. Where is this going? Where is this leading to? Because of, you know, for for a lot of us fans who have only just seen Malachi Black enter, we're expecting nothing but upwards for him, you know? So it, it my concern is out of where where things are going to be going from Malachi from here rather this, than yeah. not much actually I completely agree with you as well. It's going to be interesting to see Cody kind of has to turn heel. And do you remember when the Black Mass could keep someone down for, you know, seconds and minutes and now it's used as a kind of just to keep you down longer than just a couple of seconds to get back up again. Um, but I mean, Aaron, who actually def- deflected one as well. Yeah. Right, so we move on our last episode of Dynamite because it's been so weird this month as well. Uh, October 22nd. Uh, we can obviously get the intro video, and it's Bobby Fish and Punk to start. Fish dominated the action for several moments, teeing off the injured joint of Punk, but Punk fought his way back into the match. Fish scored a new fall and a pin momentum aside, but Punk delivered a desperation go to sleep, the pinfall victory. What were your thoughts on Punk's first Dynamite match? Was that the first Dynamite match? Yeah, His Punk's first... first time on Dynamite wrestling. Oh, oh wait. And he's only been wrestling on Vampage then? Yeah. Ah, okay, interesting. I mean, every match with Punk is good though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Am I biased? I don't know. Um, no, I pretty much enjoyed it. Again, it, there's not really much to complain about at this moment in time for me when it comes to Punk. He's he's doing everything that he should be doing. Um, and I personally don't have any sort of qualms with, with the opponents he's taking on. Like I said, it would be nice for it to see him get into some sort of veteran feud. Um, I'd like to see him sort of uh, maybe struggle a little bit. Um, but overall, I just think that just just is he's great with every opponent that he faces. This this was a proper old school style match as well. We didn't see Malachi Black cut the promo. He said he made Cody Rhodes' whole family lose faith in him. He split the Nightmare family. He made the whole crowd hate him. And he thought this was about pinfalls. Think again. The house always wins. And when he says shit like that, you just think, you're a genius. You're a genius, Malachi Black. Um, We see MJF making short work of his opponent, Bryce Donovan. And after the match, he cut Skaven promo on the fans for faking a rival from Sting. Uh, After some more trash talking... On Alan, lights dimmed in a video package aired of a face-painted anti-hero attacking a costumed MGF ripoff. When the lights came back on, Sting and Alan attacked the hills, culminating with Alan issuing a challenge for a match with MGF at full gear. Um, what were your thoughts on this? Because I loved the fact Darby Allen dressed as the Invisible Man. Really, really fun. Do you know, I'm so glad that you actually um, picked up on that as well, because I saw a lot of Twitter being like, why was Darby Allen in a trench coat? And things like, 
are all of you telling me that you've you've not seen what then? I've not seen him like the character. What's his name in it? Is it Brother something? Brother? brother? No. Oh, it's I some... don't. It's uh, uh, yeah. It'll take name. <laughs> yeah, I will remember on Saturday. Remember this for Saturday, and then we'll bring it up again. But it was just it was such a great nod, and I just really enjoyed seeing him like that. So I appreciate Darby Allen for going ahead and dressing up like that. Not everyone got it, but I did. And Wardlow taking attacks as well. And it, the bump didn't look too bad on TV, but when you saw a picture of his back afterwards, fucking that's risk and reward there. Yeah, I mean, even when he was rolling out the ring, you could see like two or three of the attacks like actually pinned into his back in his shirt. And I was like, those look absolutely painful. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the turn is coming for Wardlow's so like a segment. Of course, Dick to Britt Baker is getting interviewed by Tony Schiavone for a weekly interview. Uh, she's informed that it will be a trick or treat match against Ab- Abaddon on Rampage this week. Uh, it will be no disqualification if Abaddon wins. She gets a title shot. And speaking of championships, TNT title on the line. All ego from Paige versus Sammy Guevara. We see Spanish girl explode over the ropes to start, wiping Paige out of ringside before tossing over the times keeper position. Uh, we see Guevara missing a standing shooting style press, but manages to double leg the challenger. Let's see a jackknife pin for the win. After the match, all ego and uh, attack Guevara and Scorpio Sky rush to the ring to join the fight. But the inner circle made the save. The baby faces stood tall and Jericho grabbed the microphone and filled there will be a 10-man Minneapolis street fight pitting in a circle against the American top team and the men of the year. Uh, Sammy looked great in the match, and I think we're just glad this feud is coming to Sorry, can you say that last part again? Because you cut out, I couldn't hear you. Probably. I'm just saying we're glad this is coming to an end. Uh, I'm talking about the feud, not the pod. Oh, the feud. <laughs> the feud, yeah, yeah. No, I am glad it's coming to an end. We don't really need to see much more. Um, at this point, I'd, I'd like to see Sammy in like an actual long-standing feud with a singles person for the TNT title. That would be great. <laughs> yeah, it's just Sammy, just wrestling week in, week out it would be quite nice. Like I said, we we uh, we don't see a lot of it this year, and we see Brian Danielson, Eddie Kingston backstage. Kingston takes offence to Danielson, saying he doesn't work hard. Talks about how depression turns to anger and he's living a dream. He's done listening and just walks off. And then you're thinking, oh, Danielson's in a bit of a situation. He cuts a wicked promo to the camera uh, saying that he's, he's, people go through the same crap. And he's going to head and prove he's the best. Well, back for commercial. Lucha Brothers are interviewed backstage. Agreed to put the AW World title tag team championship on the line against FTR at full gear. And then it's Hiroko Ishida versus Rina Deeb. Uh, TBS Championship first round match. Deep sees an opening and target the knee of her opponent. She applied a figure four against the ring post and added a single leg boss and crab. The 50th win trophy, they nearly coerced Sheeda into doing it in front of the official. Sheeda resisted, rolled her up and scored. The win and after the match in Deep attacked Sheeda and applied another half crab till referees and coach Jerry Ling broke up the assault. Uh, this was great, wasn't it? It really was. It's just continuously telling more and more with this uh, ongoing like feud that I feel like is happening between them. Um, I was really excited and eager to watch this anyway. Obviously, very, very happy and glad to see Shida pick up the win, but this is definitely far from over. 
Yeah, I think we're out there. Up next, John Moxley versus Preston Ten Vance in the number one AEW World Championship. Moxley stomped to the ring, kicked the ass of the mask man, overmatched him, and pinned the bloody young staff on the paragon. Uh, he stomped right back out as the trainers checked on him, um, ripping the mask and not giving a fuck. Is this the Mox? Yes. Straight answer, yes. <laughs> Unhinged Mox is what we need. <laughs> He just he killed him, didn't he? It was it was a destruction. I think it's really like hard to do to someone as big and tall as ten. So John Moxie made it look so easy. And I just felt sorry for Minus One as well because that's his favourite. And Moxie just picked him apart. But um, we get FTR interview backstage, talk about waiting a year to get the titles back, but they're coming from and they're going to go down as the best tag team of all time. Cody Rose hit the ring to a chorus of bruise and proceeded to cut a promo that referenced his brother, wife, daughter and father for revealing he will not turn because fans too much. Uh, Elliot Lowe interrupted, followed by Black, a beat down the roads and Arn Anson ensued until Pack saved, clearing the ring of the hills and flipping the bird to close the segment. Uh, Cody won't turn, well, until the reality show ends. How very Cena. Um, and I, again, I know I look at different things. Pack looked to have massive fingers. When he gave the bird, how long is his finger? I don't know if it was the camera or the TV I was watching on, but it looked... That was a, That's very rare to hear sort of like man say, because of, I have just definitely been co- consistently saying throughout the years of me watching wrestling, why is it that all male wrestlers have like the biggest giant looking hands? They all do. I don't don't expect it from Pac. (laughs) They can be small, but they they can have big hands. (laughs) It's it's, it's the same size as my leg. Okay, you can't have a finger. And it's like like, extension fingers. When he's next in the UK, should we see if we can like get an in-person interview with him so we can take some measurements? (laughs) (laughs) He has to duck under the door to get his fingers in. You know, like, I don't, I don't... anyway, we move on to the main event because this was fun. Dark Order, Colt Cabana, Eva Uno, John Silver and Stu Grayson versus Elite, Adam Cole, Kenny Omega, Matt and Nick Jackson. The Hills dominate for the commercial break, but Hot Tag sparked a babyface comeback. The action broke down until Matt Jackson actually leveled Rick Knox with three low blows and powerbomb Cabana on Proton backpacks. We should, I didn't even mention, it was fancy dresses. It came out as Ghostbusters. The Ghostbusters are the face. Come on, guys. And we had um, Stave Puff Monster. Nakazawa as the baby was quite fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I think the MVP for costumes was definitely Johnny Hungy oh. as Bambi. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Bambi and a horse, like a pantomime horse. You couldn't make it up. Like, you know, it's just like, it was just... Yeah. Also, Evil Uno as Hangman Page. I was just a bit upset about <laughs> Stu Grayson taking it so serious. What, with Kratos? Yeah, just like, I was like, Stu Grayson, like, do something else. Like, you know what I mean? Just be a bit more, just show up as Barney. He's, he's the only one who actually took that shit seriously. Yeah. When you Marshall dressing up like freaking Brandon Cutler. <laughs> You've always oh got one of those friends where you, you're mucking about and they'd be serious. You go, 
No, why are you coming in, like, <laughs> it's fancy dress, why are you coming in a suit and a tie? <laughs> well, I'm that friend. I'm so bad. <laughs> I put so much effort into this. I, like, what effort is this? And everyone else was like, yeah, but we were doing this for a joke. And I was like, oh, all right, I was fucking serious. <laughs> <laughs> well, we get suddenly a costume star hit the ring, but it was revealed to be Brandon Cutler. Leaving Hangman Adam Page reveal he was under the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man costume. I've been doing this podcast six years, and I've hoped for the day that I he was under the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man costume. I'm so pleased I've said that line. He delivered a deny to Omega while Silver executed the Spin Doctor Matt Jackson for the pinball victory. The Dark Order and Page the tall. Latter got one over on the AEW World Champion ahead of full gear this weekend. What were your thoughts? I mean, I was not expecting Brandon Cutler to be in the, the horse outfit. So as soon as they did reveal that it was him, I, oh gosh, my I was laughing so much. I had to rewatch that. It was so fun. It was such a great match. It was really fun to watch. And just watching Hanman do his thing in the ring, it's like you, you really start to miss that when he's not there that presence that he has in the ring. And then the minute that he was in the ring, um, you know, everyone was just itching for that buckshot lariat. Everyone was itching for it. Without a doubt. And um, this was one of the things we're going to talk about on Saturday as well, is does funny equal money? Can you be funny? Because I heard a lot of people moaning about this match. It's the main feud for AEW, page you're making, you turn it into comedy. But I think when you've got Halloween... When you've got Tony Schiavone saying he should have took off the protein pack as well, it's just fun. Yeah, um, I, I, I mean, to, to people complaining that they just did, you know, a sort of fancy dress, fun-loving match. Shut up. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> some form of entertainment and 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 funniness that comes with it, and that does actually come in the shape and size sometimes of the Dark Order. We've all seen that the Dark Order have that funny side to them. It's not exactly like it's just. Hang on, page on his oneself, like, and it and it's turned into some sort of joke, you know. Like, he waited until the very end to sort of turn up, and I think that if they can actually have a bit of light humor within a, a main event sort of a, a feud when we're building up to their main event match, I think is a little bit. I think you're a bit of a prune. Come on, enjoy it for what it is. You know, we're we're not only getting entertainment, uh, uh when we're not getting wrestling entertainment like WWE. We're actually getting sports entertainment when it comes to, to the content that we're getting on AEW, and especially when it came to that match. So anyone who really does, is complaining about that match is just, they're just trying to pick something to point, to argue about when it comes to AEW at this point, in my opinion. Well, you think people were just on Twitter and in general just, argue about pick a subject weird i don't i don't i the amount of tweets i put out going in my own opinion and people complain about and i think do you not understand that word but anyway that's the toxicity of twitter as it was i'll tell you another little story as well actually during the match kenny not tagging in adam cole then adam stopping kenny from kissing the bucks it's adding a little layer there so when it happens in a couple of months time if we think I, it's going to happen, it's there then. I, I didn't actually notice the uh, Kenny not tagging um, uh, tagging in Adam Cole, but I did notice the whole kiss thing. And then it was, I, I went back and rewatched it. Um, and that's when I noticed uh, he didn't tag him. 
said, this that's another interesting concept, uh, concept that we could probably get behind after this whole feud with Hangman Page has kind of been done and over with at Full Gear, you know? Um, is there's just all this groundwork already being set for potential feuds or, or matches to go on, you know? It's exciting. And I think, again, not to waste too much time, but that is why we like, or especially why I like AEW so much, because the little things like that, that pay off down the line, even if it doesn't, then you've put that kind of doubt in the head as well. Uh, We've got one last episode of Rampage now to catch, October 29th, and the show begins with the entrances for Brian Danielson versus Eddie Kingston in the semi-finals of the World Title Eliminator Tournament. See Brian and Kingston exchange strikes in the corner of the early going. Kingston regroups on the outside and throws a chair at the ring in frustration. They go back exchanging chops and kicks in the corner. It escalates to the alternating headbutt. The crowd is heavily behind Eddie and Kingston. When I say butchers Brian's chest, it is absolutely kind of. And speaking of vicious, the elbows to Eddie's head by Brian. Uh, Eddie came back with DDT, hit Danielson with spinning back collapse. He crawls over for a pin, but Brian catches him in a triangle choke. Eddie is trapped and gets pummeled with elbow strikes. And he flips Brian off and fades out of consciousness. There's your other flip off there. <laughs> I definitely confused the two matches. Up, so I apologize about that. <laughs> but what a match it was. It was. It was just a great match. It was one of those ones as well. Like you said, the chops that were, were coming from both of them. And then just looking at Daniel's chest after, oh, gosh, you know that's just going to that's gonna actually hurt him when he's trying to sleep at night. <laughs> trying to breathe. Yeah, what a match this was, though. And Eddie Kingston refusing to shake Danielson's hand after the match. Uh, Eddie was great. And then we see Tony Schiavone and Punk backstage talking about being 5-0 and o in AEW. And Kingston interrupts with a very angry word as he put him right back to sleep. Two men are separated by security before strikes are thrown. Uh, and I've got mates like this as well, where Eddie's just heard saying, "Gone, you want you want some," and he's got nothing to do with you. You just want to fight, and I kind of respect a little bit of that as well. Are you interested in Punk Kingston? Of course, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I, I don't think anything else excites me when it comes to that sort of thing. Did you see the way? Uh, uh, what's it called? Um, just got in his face and uh, just sort of squared up to him instantly. I was just like, "That's." okay, that's a match I never knew I needed, and now I need it. Like I said, it should be very, very interesting. We might have developments about that as well on Saturday. And next up is Matt Seidel versus Dante Martin. This is the third time these guys have faced off. Because you've watched Elevation and Dark, you've seen these two guys before as well, yeah? Yeah, yeah they've um, they've definitely been the, been the ones to sort of shine um, on those shows. I mean, a lot of a lot of the time it's it's sort of new new wrestlers that are being given that chance but when it comes to uh, the shows and like the likes of Dante Martin he really shines on there yeah well these two have had like I said two bangers before on dark and elevation the third one was on rampage and we see Dante come back with elbows and a sunset flip for near fall the spring from his legs was still there when he'll stomp on a standing side L to drive him into the mat. So they'll come back with more leg kicks, but his lightning spiral was counted. But, and Dante then followed up with a double. The commentators are crediting the rush coaching for the win. This was really good, but Dante Martin looks like he's going to cry all the time. 
And he, whatever Leo Rush has said to him beforehand, he just, like, he looks like he's going to burst into tears. Is that me? No, I mean, you know, I, I've got to admit, I don't think that he looks like that all the time, but there has been a couple of occasions where I'm like, oh my God, cheer up. <laughs> just kick your dog. Like, wow. You know, that there is a couple of times where I've noticed that he's, and I think it's kind of like the opposite of resting bitch face, but instead it's just like standard, subtle, innocent face. And and that's what Dante has. And I think like, you know, this, this does come with confidence. This does come with, uh, you know, sort of, um, getting a lot more uh comfortable with yourself in the ring and with your character um i think this i think over time um it, it might not necessarily always be like that but maybe just maybe he's not 100 percent sure really what to do with his face because when leo rush is giving these promos and then you've got dante just standing there staring into the camera he looks like an upset little puppy who and leo rush rush just sold his dog you know yeah. um he, he definitely looks a lot more sadder but could this could this be long time storytelling of him being a bit sad and missing his brother his real tag team partner who knows um we'll see i, I love your faith <laughs> hey look you never know if i if i you know was a wrestler with my twin sister and then you know i had to go on a singles run i might be the same if, well, if I had Leo Rush as a manager, I might, I might be the same. Uh, we see Mark Henry doing his pre-match interview for the main event. Yes, we have just one match left. It's Britt Baker versus Abaddon. Um, not surprisingly, Zombie Abaddon doesn't have much. And this is a no-DQ trick-or-treat match. Nothing like the trick-or-street fight that happened on SmackDown the same day. Uh, on commentary, Jericho says that Abaddon being zombie is not a gimmick. She really is. Okay, really is. Uh, well, we see Baker's bugs <laughs> get involved to give her an unfair advantage. Uh, Baker goes for a swing and net breaker from the ring apron, a table on the floor, but the table doesn't break, so Baker goes, all right, we're going to follow up with a suplex on the table, and it still refuses to budge. What is it about a table not going through that makes it look and sound even worse? I was about to say the exact same thing. I was about to say, why does it always look like it comes across more painful when they don't go through it? And especially she tried twice. It, it was It was very painful to watch. Well, I doubt, you know, and then she did the zombie sit up and grabs a mystery bag, which of course contains thumbtacks, and Abaddon slams Baker's back on the tacks. Brit, it's only Rampage, you don't have to worry. The zombie argues with a ref, which gives Brit the opening to attack with a steel chair. Abaddon does the zombie sit up again, Baker kicks her in the jaw, shoves tacks in her mouth, and kicks her in the head. Baker is hesitant to go for the lockjaw, and for good reason, seeing as she's a fucking zombie. Um, Abaddon <laughs> bites Baker's fingers. Rebba and Jamie hate to get involved again, which is Jack's Abaddon. Baker rolls to the tax. Another roll-up, actually, for the victory. And a bit like uh, me today, it was messy, but enjoy. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, again, when it comes to roll-up pins done this way, I don't actually have an issue with it because this is Britt Baker and she will do whatever she can to keep that belt. This is when that makes sense to use a roll-up pin. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But when you've got like the likes of two eliminator matches, like I said, where, where it, the result is someone has gone through to the next stage via a roll-up pin, that, in my opinion, doesn't work. But th- here, it worked. It's... 
this this was a, wasn't a bad main event. You're just thinking the chances that they took with so kind of so little people watching. But again, Baker might need a little bit more, and I think we're kind of building on that as well. Uh, so that is it for now. People are going to ask, right? Well, what about the next episode? Because on Saturday, two dynamites and two rampages. Also, looking at the card of full gear, giving our predictions as well, and also masturbate is returning. We're going to do AW versus WWE, so that should be fun. Uh, one last note, finally, just say before we go. Uh, just about John Moxley entering an inpatient uh, alcohol treatment program. Uh, obviously, this might have changed signs that we were expecting, but first and foremost is John Moxley's mental and state. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a shock, but what were your thoughts about John Moxley? It can only be a good thing he's seeking help. Yeah, um, exactly like you said. You know, this isn't something that that should be put off, mm-hmm. and the fact that you know you can outright admit admit when you need help and actually go and ask for help is one of the biggest things anyone can do. And and you've got to have the you know the the most amount of courage to be able to you know o- open up and actually ask for the help. So you know, my thoughts are with John Moxie and with Renee and their young daughter. I'm very uh happy and pleased to hear how supportive AEW are being towards this um, and and how open they have been to sort of letting the fans know this is what's happened. Um, as When it comes to the Eliminator um, match and stuff like that, that's kind of really minuscule when you think about the fact that this is purely about John Moxley's health. And first and foremost, we just want him to be okay. That being said, also a little promo time from John Moxie. Go check out his new book. It's coming out in the UK for us at the end of this month. Or if you're over in the US, it's already out. You should check it out. It's called Mox. Yeah, and anybody upset, you're not going to see Moxley for like the next couple of weeks, the next couple of months. It's not about it two weeks or two months. It's about the next 20 years, you know. It's, it's about the career and time and making sure Moxley gets us that he deserves. Uh, but that is it for now. Don't forget, we're across all social media, Twitter at the WNR Podcast. I'm uh, the WNRJR. I say I'm at the WNRJR, but I'm WNRJR. But I think people understand. Anyway, uh, do you want to just tell where people can find you? <laughs> I started an argument for no reason. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter, and I'm at Jatsy Scarlet. I just I get a few emails and people ask. Anyway, Dublin are also on Facebook and Instagram across all Google platforms. Send us an email to dublinrpodcast.gmail.com and YouTube is Podcast. We will let us clips and podcasts at the same time on YouTube to do SoundCloud on your phone and also Spotify and iTunes where you can download, subscribe, rate and review there. So that is it. Our next episode is AEW Full Gear live show 8pm BS to start. Um... But until then, I've been James Rollins and I was joined by the fantastic Jaxie. Again, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's always fun. And you'll be back by my side for the live show on Saturday. For sure I will. I cannot wait. Well, like I said, thanks for listening, everybody. And bye.